Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Guys... We're back. It's another episode. Again, obviously, you know, we're, we're going to talk about coronavirus. I'm learning how to ebb and flow things. I talk about the beginning of mine and Aaron's relationship. That is actually something I do want to talk about more on the podcast. Uh, I, I have a, a story about it on um, the stage, but I have to learn how to, to, to make it more conversational. It's a great fucking story. Um, we're going to talk about that soon. But we talk about how we met and like how small new york is things that i miss things that are adapting the new what will the new renaissance look like of new york i can't wait and spoiler alert there's definitely gonna be way more fucking sex it's gonna be way kinkier for sure i can't wait i feel like less clothes um so thank you for tuning in i can't wait to hear what you guys think enjoy Good morning, guys. It is hump day yet again. Um, it's technically Monday for me. Um, what is life? It won't be, this episode won't be as sad, I think, as the last episode, though I got really good feedback on it. So thank you. I will be forever humbled by this co- podcast and that people um, want to listen to my thoughts. It's, uh, I'm incredulous every time. So thank you. Of course, I want to do the daily check-in. Like, are you okay? Are you feeling okay? I don't know where, like, all of you guys live. Um, I think a lot of you guys do live in New York. And it's definitely, I think, at least for me, it's definitely starting to set in that, like, one, we're not getting the summer that we want. And now New York is trying in, in kind of a great debate about what the summer should look like. Um mainly beaches there's a lot of will the beaches be open should they be open will it be safe I personally think the beaches have to be open Uh, a friend in a zoom hangout had a really good point that like if they're not open New York is going to have some major blackouts. And also, people aren't going to shelter in place because not everyone has AC in New York. My first four years in the city, I did not have AC in my room or, like, in my apartments. I was just like, "Mm, I can't date. Because it's expensive. And sometimes, depending on your apartment, you might get charged more for having the for having the AC, too. Or, like, if your apartment, like, luckily, when my Second apartment with Matt and Amanda. It was like such a crazy good deal. Three bedroom, two bathroom, balcony, like open concept, uh, living room, dining room situation. And they paid like utilities were included. So you didn't pay for electric, but you'd get like a one time fee if you decided to like per room, if you decided to put in AC. So Matt and Amanda did and I didn't. Uh but we just never told them and they never charged us for the fee. But a lot of places don't have that luxury. Uh, Like our electric bill is always worse in the summer because we are constantly running the ACs in two rooms. We only put it in two of our rooms. And another thing that's very New York, at least for me and my uh, nine years being here, no, eight. Yeah, nine in August. So like eight and a half years To go back to what I was talking about, a very New York thing is in the summer in your own apartment, when you go to the bathroom or when you're pooping, you're like literally sweating because it's there's like no air moving. A lot of times you don't have a uh, window. The breeze helps, but you're just like, "Mm, it's summer New York when I'm when I'm just sweating bullets as I should. I always it always makes me laugh. Uh, Central air, not always common in New York City apartments. Um, so again, if, if we don't have these natural ways to cool off at the Rockaways and in Coney Island, 
people are going to rely more on AC. People are going to rely more on leaving the house. And so what does that mean? We don't know if like humidity, like with the flu, humidity kind of kills it or slows the spread. We don't know if that's going to happen yet. We don't know enough about the virus. I think that's been very um, taxing on all of us is to try to know the virus, to know more about it. I'm very type A. And so with this lack of control, I can control the knowledge that I take in, right? Like it's something that I can control. But at the end of the day, scientists don't know. New things are happening. Now there's this like rare reaction or like disease that it's affecting kids. And like some kids are dying in New York. And now I think I read an article that it's also happening in Italy. And that's horrifying. Um. You have to step away a lot. I, I don't step away as much as I should. I actually, for the most part, for New York, I actually stick to Gothamist. They have like a daily tracking of what's going on. And that actually really helped me in April to be, because they'd be like, and we've peaked and, and this and that. Um, and then I'll find myself like mindlessly scrolling on like Apple News, uh, which is never the best thing for our mental health. Um but then, like, you know, people have a lot of good points about why beaches shouldn't be open. It's already impossible to socially distance in New York. Um, there's just too many people. They are closing down some streets to make more space for people, which is good. I think there needs to be a few more streets like that. I think especially in the summer. Um, and... The last number that I saw was 420,000 people have left New York. And I think more and more people are going to leave in the summer when they realize the summer isn't going to be what they think it's going to be. And it blows. I get it. It sucks. Um, but yeah, will we self-regulate? I mean, the parks have already been like overwhelmed with people not socially distancing, groups of people meeting up together. Like, is that okay? You know, we don't have enough rules and boundaries on it right now. We've been self-regulating as much as we can. And when the city gets nice, uh, when the when the exhaustion sets in of being inside for now, like, 60-plus days, people go out. Um, and that probably isn't good. So, and then you have the fact that if we were to have very strict rules and regulations set in place for Coney Island and for the Rockaways and for theoretically like Central Park and Prospect Park, who's actually enforcing these, these rules, these new rules, these new laws. Um, and who's to say these cops won't be racist and uh, pinpoint certain people, uh, which they already fucking have. Um, so that's a problem. Uh, and a big problem, part of why I actually don't go out is like, why do I get the privilege to go out? Um, it's not just because for me, at least, and it's not just because of the virus. It's because I know I'm white and I know I could go to a park and meet 10 fucking friends and sit in a circle and no fucking cop is going to come and say anything. And I just don't think that's fair. And I think to check that privilege, I shouldn't go out. And so I don't. I sit, I have a, we have a chair in the living room that looks right out into the street and I just like look at people. I used to be angrier about it. I used to get so mad about people not wearing masks and so many people going out, walking to the, to the park. Cause again, we live pretty close to the park. So like if you see people with backpacks or like mats, like you know where they're going. Um, I'm not as mad anymore only because um, it's been 60 fucking days and I understand the mental need and want to be outside. I, again, am lucky enough to have a fire escape. Um, it's shared, like, with the apartment next door. But so far, it's there's never really been an issue where, like, I want to go out and they're out on, out on it. I'm actually, like, looking at it right now, and it's sunny, and I'm like, oh, I should go out to get some vitamin D um, after I get some vitamin D. This morning is actually kind of weird. It feels really off because uh, Aaron had to walk to work today to get something that can't be mailed to him, and he didn't want to. And I, th the first time he said he had to do this, I like freaked out, and he ended up not going. 
but like this time like he has to do it and so I got I like we get it so before corona our morning routine was very separate but we always would this is this is adorable but also like if you want to be like oh god ew I get it we would always like kiss each other kiss the person that was still sleeping and then go and just be like I love you. Have a good day. See you in the morning. Um, like we, we've only not done it like one time. And it was when Aaron was quitting smoking and I wasn't being very, this was like years ago. And I wasn't, I wasn't understanding like how hard it is to do, to quit. And I got mad at him for like smoking a cigarette the night before. And <laughs> that morning he was just like, I'm leaving. And I was like, you're not going to kiss me goodbye. And he's like, no, I'm mad. Like, that's the only, and I was truly like devastated. I was so hurt by it. But I was also like, oh, like you need to, you need to understand like this is like quitting something like this is so hard. Um, but truly that's like the only time we have it. Uh, so this morning, like we did that. I was like, okay. Like he was like, I'll be back. And so, you know, like he had breakfast on his own. I had breakfast on my own. We all, like right now we're always like, we make like a pretty decent, we've been doing two meals uh, breakfast and dinner. And then I, Aaron doesn't really get hungry in the middle of the day. I'm hungry like every two fucking hours. So then I'll like make myself something for lunch, but he never really wants anything. But like in, since this started, this is like the first time I think that like we didn't have breakfast together and we didn't make a big, like a big breakfast. It's always like eggs and like a bagel and like, and I like to put like a lot of vegetables on the plate. Um, so like what happened, I, I, I think he made like a muffin for himself and I ate leftover pizza that we ordered yesterday, which is like very normal. Like me eating like a very shitty thing. Cause I like to eat anything at any time. I don't believe in breakfast foods. I'd eat pasta in the morning, every morning, if it was more socially acceptable. Um, so that's weird, right? Like he's not in the apartment and it's not just for like a run. He'll probably be back in two hours because like his work is about like three miles away and he has to walk it. So it'll probably be like an hour there, an hour back. So it's weird. It's so, it's, it should feel so normal, but it really, really doesn't. I, I want to shout out some places that need help in the city or have adapted and that you can you can um, support them especially because like uh, I'm I think I'm finally very very anti Amazon like I'm finally like actively practicing avoiding Amazon Um, and you can do it too how do you do it don't buy from fucking Amazon this guy is gonna be a fucking trillionaire and they're taking away their hazard pay. People have died at Amazon. The the conditions are not okay. I am not okay with it. And obviously, this is very personal to me because I worked at Trader Joe's. And I saw, again, as a company that loves to say how much it loves its fucking employees, when shit hit the fan and profits were a, a problem, it's real easy to love your employees when profits are good but not when they're bad. And profits have dropped for grocery stores because people aren't going as often. And understandably so. So, so yeah, I was personally affected by this about feeling unsafe, having my money uh, dangled in front of me in a way. And luckily, I was privileged enough to walk away. Um, so, yeah, so fuck... Fuck all these places, right? Fuck them all. Fuck Costco. Fucking Costco did the same shit, and they have the same reputation of being very good to their employees. But Costco, I think, is making a lot of money right now and still not treating their customers the way that they, not their customers, their employees the way that they fucking should. Um, so, yeah. So, if you live in Brooklyn, like, I know Catfish is a great restaurant, bar, Littlefield, an amazing venue that I am so grateful I've gotten to, to perform at. Um, their, other, their other venue, Park Life, uh, they gave me a summer job once when I really needed a summer job. Like, I love Julie. I love, I love the co-owners. Olmstead. Olmstead needs a lot of help right now. 
It's an amazing restaurant in Prospect Heights, uh, but they can't be a restaurant right now. Do you not want to buy your books on Amazon? Cool. Fucking order from Greenlight Bookstore in fucking Brooklyn. They have two locations. Their website isn't the most user-friendly. And at first I was like, ugh, but you know what I did? I just fucking went on Barnes & Noble to find books that I wanted and then bought them at Greenlight. Like, fuck Barnes & Noble. Fuck Amazon. You know what? Yeah, we have to wait a couple of days. I had to wait. And in the emails, they're like, we're so sorry. We're overwhelmed with orders. It's going to be a little bit longer, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? How much I had to wait? I think I waited like four days. That was it. Like, we have been so... Convenience has been like shoved down our throat so much that I think it's a hard thing to give up. It becomes an addiction. Next day delivery, prime. But honestly, having to wait has been kind of nice. It's built like this anticipation of something. I bought a couple of dresses and they were like, you're not, I bought them like this weekend. They're like, you're not going to get them till June. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Got it. I get it. You need to do what you need to do to take care of yourselves. I can happily wait. I can happily wait. Um, I wish I had, I didn't put more people on here and that was dumb of me. Um, a, a place that has adapted, it's staying open, is called Do or Dive in Bedside. It's a dive bar. It's a really cool bar. Uh, great outdoor space. Diving enough. Like I love, I love, I love like just, there's like enough of a dive to it. Slight smell. I wouldn't say they smell. They're they're great. They're a great place. I ha- it's been so long since I've been there. Um, they have adapted, and they you can order. You can you can walk there, and like get takeout for drinks. So they have like margarita liters. They have um, something else. They have nutcrackers. So I bought for me and Aaron for like a surprise for Aaron. I bought us nutcrackers, and I had them delivered. Someone delivers them to you. You pay with your card. They've got their masks on. They're taking all the precautions. They, like, hit their phone for you so you don't have to touch it. Um, It's great. Uh, Nutcrackers are a very big part of, I want to say beach community, but, like, the beaches. Like, people walk around asking about nutcrackers. They're these very strong, kind of fruity, uh, sugary drinks, and they're great. They're amazing. This one guy is so fucking good. You, like, DM him. I'm not going to say it's Instagram because I don't want to get him in trouble. But, like, you would DM him and you'd be like, hey, I'm at, I'm here on the beach. And they were, like, these, like, artisanal nutcrackers. They'd have, like, fruit in them. And he had everything, like, pina colada, strawberry daiquiri, mint julep. And, like, the fucking, there was, like, fucking mint in the mint julep. Like, it's amazing. You just get so drunk. They're, like, $10 a pop. They're so worth it. Same with do or die. They're $10 a pop. But I would also, I... I highly recommend that you should tip. And so I tipped both the delivery. I tipped the delivery guy separate and then tipped uh, do or dive. Um, So there was like two separate tips to make sure. Like, I don't know how they were doing it. Just to make sure this like delivery guy who was like biking out of his way for me got extra money. Um, It's cool. Like, it's cool to see that people are adapting in this, in the face of, the unknown. Um, how long it will last? I don't know. I um, our our favorite pizza place in the neighborhood, Gino's, just came back. We that's who we ordered from. He, they weren't around for a little bit, so I don't know like why they left, why they came back. Um, hope everything is okay. Um, I don't. I mean, and again like i don't really know i don't know what coronavirus looks in different states because in new york it's in your fucking face it's here the sirens are here all of april was truly sirens 24/7 and it just represented death and there's so many mixed feelings and emotions with it uh being like i hope they're fucking okay but also like I don't want to be in that ambulance. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of selfishness involved. Um, not selfishness. It's like, like self, I guess like self-preservation in a way. Um, but as we hit 60 days, I feel like there's become like a lot of resentment and bitterness. And where while I see where people are coming from from both angles, I just feel like those are two bad emotions that bring out some really bad um, 
actions in people. Like, you know, jealousy isn't a good look on people, but neither is like bitterness isn't and, and rage. And it's really hard right now because people don't have outlets to get this out. And people like, I mean, you've probably see, seen the articles as you scroll, like this is having a huge impact on our mental health. And again, I feel very lucky in a lot of ways. I have a therapist. I'll talk to my therapist in like seven hours. I have this podcast, which is an outlet that I know people are listening to. And I think a big part of where the bitterness and pain come from are feeling like you're not being heard. And we Americans so badly want to be heard 24-7. And the American way truly has become looking out for your individual self. And so in a crisis where we've now been told that our actions directly affect other people, people are struggling, right? Especially in other cities. Like I'm, for the most part, I'm pretty proud of New York. We were told stay in your apartment to help your fucking community. And for the most part, we are slash have been. We're not the ones being like, open up the nail salons, open up the hair, hair, hair salons. Like we're savvy enough how to, to figure out how to do it on our fucking own. Or savvy enough to understand it's fucking okay if our roots are fucking showing. Um, that it's not worth it. Uh, but I do wonder like what the future looks like for um, for people as we go further into this. Because that's the thing, right? We don't know. Everyone's hoping for a vaccine. I don't think, I honestly don't know. We, that we should count on a vaccine. I think if there was one to come, I think it'd be a couple of years. Um, would it get fast-tracked? Sure. I don't know. But I, who knows? Um, you know, this is... I've seen a lot of articles about how this is very similar to polio. What happened with pol- polio? Like, before there was a vaccine, when there was an outbreak, everyone went inside. Everyone had to shut shutter their doors, shutter their windows. It's, I actually found it very interesting that we immediately went to the Spanish flu, which was like a hundred years ago, but obviously we are on a very same track as the Spanish flu, but polio wasn't that long ago. Like people devastated lives, you know? Um, But they had like similar things where like people would just be asymptomatic and not deal with it, like have any adverse reactions to polio and then the vaccine came and then it was basically eradicated until anti-vaxxers um which they're a fun group aren't they guys i promise i actually i have notes in front of me this isn't just gonna be about coronavirus i swear to god this fucking podcast will not just be about coronavirus um it will not just be me there will be other guests i'm actively pursuing that it's uh, it just takes a little bit longer because I have to make sure people have microphones, you know, keep that sound quality up for y'all. We love A plus sound quality. Um, but okay. So let me, let me go from, from being like, you know, last episode was about how much I miss New York. I miss New York so much still so much. It's to not get to actively participate in New York in the summer is going to take a lot of patience. Um, There's going to be a lot of crying. I was really upset yesterday, actually. I think, I think it was yesterday. Um, I'm just like, just so upset about what's going on and missing the city so 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 much and when will we get it back what will it look like and then Aaron had this really great point I'm just like like yeah this sucks but we get to be a part of its renaissance and that's really fucking cool that really really changed my outlook like in a in a second um because I'd never thought about that. Like, we constantly are talking about the new normal, but 
in my mind, uh, worst case scenario, Natalie, which is which is me. Um, I always go to the worst case scenario, so that way I have plans to get out of it. Um, it's a type A thing. I think uh, it's not the greatest way to, to to think sometimes, but at the same time, it makes me like a really great producer because I always have like most scenarios figured out. Um, I miss producing. It's fine. Um, but I never heard it in that light. I had always been thinking about it in such a pessimistic way of like the new normal will be worse. The 1% will be richer. Things will be worse. But you know who left the city were the rich ass bitches. Rent's like slowly falling. This might be millennials one opportunity to buy a house. You know, I've been looking. I was like, shit. We might be able to. We might be able to make New York funkier and queerer, more sex, more loud music, more sweaty, do um, DIY venues, more respect for the alt art, maybe cheaper Broadway tickets. Like, what does the Renaissance look like? One, I definitely think there's way more sex, way more protected sex. I think so. I, <laughs> there is no fucking way that the people that are sheltering in New York that will stay the whole fucking time don't come out of their apartment and like immediately start fucking everyone. <laughs> consensually, very consensually. Like, <laughs> like not yesterday, but a few days before Aaron was like, Everyone's just going. He used a very big word, and let me see if I can look it up. I think I could phonetically hedonistic. I literally had to click the. How do you say this? Uh, I, we will have a very hedonistic lifestyle. There's no way we don't. We've had to sacrifice so much because, again, like I talked about in New York, uh, not in New York. I talked about in the last episode is um. Like, New York is a character in all of our lives. I vomited too, as I was saying it, but it's so true. Like, it's a part of you. And so we've had to literally, like, take away this part of us to self-preserve and, you know, make time for the government to figure out what the fuck to do. Spoiler alert, they never fucking figured it out. Um, that there's no way there won't be way more drinking and drugs and partying. There's no way that that won't happen. I'm personally very excited about it. Um, it'll be the roaring 1920s all over again. Like, there's no way. Will that be too much pleasure-seeking? Probably. Will we tone it back a little bit? Probably. But straight out the gate? Yeah. Definitely. I mean, there's so many things that me and Aaron are saying we want to do, places we want to go, people want to see, sex parties we want to attend. There's no, like, I'm excited for it. Sadly, I don't have the creativity right now to fully envision what our renaissance would look like. Personally, lower rent, way less capitalism. <laughs> What, what would New York look like without capitalism? Would it just be like a hippie con, like con, commune, commune? I almost said convent. <laughs> Wrong one. C commune. I don't know. That could be really fucking cool. I'm very excited about what type of podcast episodes I'm going to have. I think there's going to be a lot more openness to, not that my guests aren't open. My guests are very open. Which is, again, I will be forever humbled that people come onto this podcast and tell me some of their like deepest, darkest secrets to tell you. I will always be thankful for that. But I think like, I think sex is about to get, I was going to say intense. 
maybe sexier? Just just so much more of it. There's going to be so much more. I can see a lot of public sex happening, with myself included. I don't know if I'll ever get Aaron on board in that one. That's the main one I, I want to do. I've always wanted to have sex in Central Park. Or Prospect Park. I'll do Prospect Park. But I don't know if Aaron would be into it. I'll have to talk to him. Maybe in this renaissance, he'd be a game for it. I don't fucking know. Who knows? It reminds me of my year of dick. I wasn't going to talk. I want to talk about my year of dick, like do a couple of episodes on it, but I wasn't going to do it on this episode. But I've referenced it in the past. And what happened was after like a very um, emotionally abusive um, relationship back in 2013, 2013, 2014 is very off again, on again. We were very, we were very like the Ross and Rachel of friends of like, will they or won't they fucking stop getting back together? Because um, everyone knew. The thing about emotional abusive relationships, it's like, it's very hard to see the patterns when you're in it. And I think there's like a, a sense of denial in it too, of like, no, no, no. And also the thing like, I like I definitely like w- blame him for most of it. I definitely w- will put claim in that there's no way I wasn't actively partaking either. And not in like a victim blaming way of like, oh, I deserved it. I also had patterns that I was doing to like incite him or get him mad or how I would react. And again, I think it's <laughs> it's his fault. Um a lot of things were said about me physically. Um, I got too wet, and that made him not want to have sex with me. He would actively uh, use sex to punish me. Like, he would with- withhold sex from me. There was one time, because I would start counting. There was one time, I think we hit, like, 27 days. And that's when he was just like, you know, like, your body is different than my ex. You know, you get too wet. Um, fun fact, that's emotional abuse. And I didn't know that until I didn't know that until after I ended the relationship, my friend pointed it out to me. And then everything came like rushing back, like all these things he did and said. And I was like, cool, 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 cool. This guy's a piece of shit. But now being like, so it's like six years now and like being so removed from it. Um, would I ever forgive him? I don't think so. I mean, he's like blocked on everything. He's blocked on my Twitter. He's blocked on my Facebook. He's blocked on my Instagram. His ex slash that he was like cheating on me with and vice versa um, is blocked. Like there's no way that they can access one time though. One time his fucking like (laughs) improv group looked at my Insta stories like, like a year ago or something. And I was like, you son of a bitch. Um, But after that, like I was so fucked up my, my sense of, self-worth when it came to sex and like my body image was really really fucked up after that and I knew that I needed to get out of that place and after having sex withheld from me for so long I just wanted to have sex and so my year of dick was so fucking fun it was um these people all came into my life naturally and as in like they um like I didn't meet, I didn't meet them like on Tinder or something like that. Uh, my favorite part was I was like, I'm never having sex with comedians after this. Um, every single one of them was a comedian, except Aaron at the very end. He was the he ended the year of dick. Um, but it was a really like, it was just really cool. They they all came in naturally. They all left naturally. There was never like a we need to talk. This is over. I was very upfront about like what I wanted. I didn't want a relationship with any of these people. I just really wanted sex. Um, it was cool. It felt powerful. I learned boundaries to set for myself. I learned um, that I'm really fucking good at sex. Um, I learned. I learned how to walk away from someone who was presenting red flags very quickly the first person I thought I was going to date 
immediately backtracked and was like, this isn't what I want, but would still text me and stuff like that. And truly, I had one really, really sad day where I cried all fucking day. And the next day I was like, this is great. And then like a month later, he was like, hey, how are you? And I was like, what is this? What are you doing? And he was like, I can't say hi to a friend. And I was like, no, not in the context of the relationship that you've like literally been inside of me multiple times. You don't get to do that. You don't get to say, hey, how are you? What's up? And pretend like it's not something else. She really was just like, I was worried about you. It didn't feel like that. I'll say that. I learned, yeah, you learn how to like stand up for yourself. I would actually meet Aaron in the year of Dick twice. Um, me and my friend went to a, a basically this really big comedian's comedian producer um birthday party or christmas party i think it might have been the christmas party or her birthday party like they're very close she does two and i was invited by someone i was still kind of like new to the scene and you walk in and then there's like fucking danny tamborelli from pete and pete who is like the nicest fucking person in the world and there is like these like big comedian names and you're like what the fuck but my friend who invited us was like, hey, here are my friends. I mean, like, he, like, was part of the party. Like, I guess, like, he party, like, produced part of the party. He was like, talk to them. And so me and my friend went and talked to them. And Aaron was one of the people. But Aaron was hitting on my friend. And I was hitting on one of his friends who I would later find out, like, had a girlfriend. Like, he wasn't, like, flirting back or anything. But I was like, hmm, interesting. And we hung out with them the whole fucking night. And my favorite part is I actually didn't want to go to this party. I was tired. And my friend was like, no, let's go, let's go. Which is always my MO. I'm always like, I'm tired. But really, it's like I'm nervous and I don't know how to act around people because I get social anxiety. Um, but I'm, you know, <laughs> forever grateful. She was like, no, we're going. And and we went from we went from on the R train from Queens to fucking Guanas, like um, from Astoria to Guanas. It was like an hour plus ride so I was like I regret all of this and um and I was living in East Harlem at that point too how did I get home I must have taken an uber there's no way I got on a train um we went to like another part of the party and these two comedians who were like big big ish comedians I wouldn't say big big like I don't think if I said their names you would know them but like in well maybe I think they both have had a comedy central presence doesn't matter they start talking to us and it's obvious they're trying to get us to go home with them. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Because in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to get them on my show. Awkward sex, the live show. And Jenny was like, mm, we need to talk. They're definitely trying to get us like to their place to have sex. And I was like, oh, I, I, I always think the best of people. And as even though I have a, a, a fucking podcast about sex in New York City, it, my mind does not go there first which I kind of like about me. Um, Aaron came up to us while we, me and my friend were talking and was like, hey, it was really nice to meet you guys, but I'm leaving because he had to be up early for his job. It was a Sunday night. Um, we're like, okay, cool. And I remember being like, why the fuck did that guy say bye to us? Um, again, not for me. It was for Jenny. He was like, yeah, you guys are both really cute. And and, and my friend uh, Jenny and him talked a lot and like we're hitting it off. Um, and he was like, he was like, I was just, you know, planting seeds to see what happens. So I would Facebook the friend that I was talking to and being like, hey, cool meeting you. Oh, I did go home. OK, I must have taken a cab. <laughs> Sorry. I, I love just thinking the logistics of getting places after I'm drunk. OK. Because I definitely got home and messaged the friend that I had been talking to. And was like, hey, friend requested him. was like, hey, really cool meeting you tonight. We should definitely hang out. And he was like, yeah, totally. He was also a comedian. Flash forward three months later, he would invite me to be on his comedy show that Aaron was in the audience for because they were roommates slash besties. And I almost canceled on that show because I was in the midst of putting together a conference that I had 
done with one other person all by ourselves. Um, so it was a lot of work and I was freaking out. And like literally I did this show and the next day was like the first day of the conference. And um, it was raining and I was like, fuck this. Like, let me just fucking cancel. But I didn't. I went to the show. I fucking killed. The three dudes that we hung out with at Littlefield were all there. I decided to hang out and I ended up starting talking to Aaron and we talked a lot. Don't remember what what we talked about because on our first date, I would ask him all the same questions and he was like, we literally just talked about that. But I go to the bathroom and I guess our friend turned to Aaron and was like, are you going to ask for her number? Because you should. And he asked for my number. And like, that's how it fucking started. Like, that's how my relationship with Aaron of five years started. Two fucking events that I wanted to cancel on because that's the best thing to do in New York is to cancel on shit. And I didn't. And I met some of the most important people in my life. Like that little field party, I met so many important people that are like very important to me still. And that's another thing I miss about fucking New York City is like this city is so small. Sure, it's like almost 8 million people, but it's at the end of the day, a very small place. You run into people that you don't ever want to see again. You meet people at a random party where you just went to go network as a comedian that would become the guy, <laughs> the guy that I was hitting on, um, Eric. Uh, he's, he's going to marry us. He's going to be the efficient. The other dude that was there, Tim, he's one of Aaron's best mans. They've known each other since college. Um, it's just fucking crazy. And I just don't feel like you get that don't get how big that is in a city of fucking 8 million people because also like at that party my friend lived in queens i lived in east harlem in manhattan they lived in fucking brooklyn like these are very like these circles were never meant to cross yet crossed multiple times almost as if it was fate right but like i don't know if i believe in fate and, but that's so fucking New York, you know? Is it like serendipity? One of the greatest rom-coms ever. I will fucking, that is the hill that I will die on. I fucking love serendipity, the movie. I love it. I'll watch it over and over and over again. Um, I also love serendipity, the restaurant. It is overpriced. It is always flowing with tourists. It's on the Upper East Side, right next to the pleasure chest where I do my, um, my sex show, my awkward sex show. I fucking love it. I love that place. Frozen hot chocolate. It's an oxymoron that tastes delicious. Um, speaking of serendipity, though, <laughs> that reminds me. Uh, e, the channel E, has been doing like all these rom coms this weekend to keep people inside. And you know what? It works. Um, rom coms and romantic movies. And Aaron was watching a couple with a couple of them with me and he was like Nelly these are not good movies and I was like I never said they were good um but they're comforting and it's hilarious to rewatch them now because all of these came out when I was like 12 or 13 years old and a lot of us were like young and how influential they were to us like let's talk about the notebook right the notebook it's so idolized about being this perfect love story right but let's break down The Notebook real quick. If you've never seen it, right? The two main characters, he sees her. She's beautiful. She's not interested. She's on a date with someone else. He fucking coerces her into a date with her by threatening to kill himself. Sure, it looks adorable as he's hanging from the Ferris wheel, but what he's implying is that if she says no, he's dropping and dying. Um, so she says yes to not fucking have him kill himself and live with that terror for the rest of her life. They go, she immediately was like, no, no, no. I only said that to get you to stop. And again, somehow he kind of like coerces her into a date. They have a beautiful summer love yet is filled with a lot of fighting, which I just don't should she be fighting that much for three months? Um, parents find out. Parents aren't into it because he's poor. They, you know, separate them. He sends her 365 love letters. The mom hides them. 
Years go on. They live their separate lives. He's sad, can't get over the one that got away. She lives her fucking life, finds this amazing man, amazing man that loves her, treats her well, cares so much about her. But then the paths cross again with the old flame and they fight immediately. They're at each other's heads immediately, at each other's necks immediately. But ultimately, she chooses him, right? She chooses him. Sorry if there's a spoiler alert for you. Came out back in like 2002 or some shit. Like you had time. But the whole story, and this happens again and again, right? We watched Sweet Home Alabama. (laughs) Such a shitty movie. But again, the same thing happens where Reese Witherspoon picks this man that honestly probably isn't the right person for her, but says no to Patrick Dempsey, who again, cares about her, wants her to be happy, wants to know if there's a place in her future for him. He graciously lets her go after the other man. She leaves him at the altar. He does everything she wants for this wedding. He didn't want it in Alabama. He wanted New York. He's from New York. His mom is the mayor of New York. Murphy Brown. What if Murphy Brown was our mayor? Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Um graciously he doesn't throw a fit he was like i understand but goes for this shitty hot-headed dude that you know probably won't appreciate her in the way or let her breathe in the way that patrick dempsey would um where will i end where will i end i've noticed i've noticed a lot of breakups happening in quarantine in new york and i just i want to say to the people like if you have found yourself in a breakup i am so sorry because you're just stuck alone in your thoughts in this that's so hard I do think this quarantine is going to change a lot of relationships and not just like not like romantic relationships I think like with friends I think this is gonna cause a lot of divides it's gonna break up some friendships and it's really sad and it's hard to watch And at the end of the day, like, is it ultimately a bad thing? You know, we all are so afraid of change. And I don't have anything poetic or, like, um, smart to say about it. But change is really, really hard. Change is really, really scary. And change without an endpoint is probably the scariest, right? As I say in basically every episode. It's a lot. What is life? I don't know. But... I do think if you feel as if this friendship or romantic relationship is, you know, coming to an end or is in more of a peak or valley that doesn't mean you did something wrong, doesn't mean that you're a lesser person, just might be the natural end to something. And that maybe we shouldn't fight it as much as we want to. As much as we are trying to fight for control in this, maybe we also have to learn to... It's another It's another lesson in letting go, honestly. Letting see what happens on its own rather than trying to control the outcome. We made it another week, guys. We did it. We can only take this day by day. And washing our hands and trying to find as many Lysol wipes as possible. My advice, I've actually found Lysol wipes um, online a few times. And my advice is um, check every day. Uh, Check multiple times during the day. Uh, I mean, you'll only get like one. Like I just got like a three pack of Lysol wipes. I found found like a three pack of like isopropyl alcohol wipes from Dwayne Reed online like two weeks ago and then they were gone and also like try not to hoard I know right now everything's about like self-preservation but me getting one three-pack was enough for me and Aaron for like a couple weeks and then I can go from there we don't I don't need like 20,000 right we don't need that think about your fellow man think about your neighbor think about how New York was told to stay inside on the best months of the year and for the most part we were like yeah I don't know my neighbor's but I will do anything for them. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for letting me do this, guys. 
I will see you next Wednesday. I will be back again in another week. I promise there will be episodes with me with with guests. I have so many questions for people. I want to get more people on that are dating right now um, through this. I want to get people that have gone through breakups through this, um, that are having way more sex through this. Again, go masturbate. Makes headaches go away. I had I had like a headache. I had like a migraine migraine because um, I think it was from exercising too hard because what that's what also is like really sucked for me for this is I can't exercise very hard and my ther- my neurologist is like yeah you have to go slow and she's like and you're gonna get migraines but your body's gonna get used to it and it sucks like this one was like a bad one it just felt different like sometimes they feel like your head's just been like like just like punched by someone and it's just sore and that's what this one was it sucked but it lingered for like two days i had taken like um uh what's it called sumatriptan sumatriptan it's like this emergency med um that helps migraines go away and it like sort of kicked in and then one day i was like you know what i'm gonna fucking masturbate it helps with migraines and it did it helps helps with migraines it boosts your immune system um boosts your mood self-care go go just look directly at the sun and like masturbate towards the sun and that can be like your quote-unquote outdoor activity today i love you guys thank you so much thank you for all the great reviews and getting more five stars i i can't thank you enough for this podcast i cannot thank you enough since it started in 2018 it's been such a cool ride and cool journey and it's something i wanted to do since like 2015 and i didn't know how to get started and i was so afraid of being this open and vocal about myself and my life and sex and everything but i i've been so privileged to to have a stage for a live show that people so openly talk about their sex lives and now this podcast that i owe it to my guests and the people that come to my show to be just as open and i i just i can't say anything else besides thank you like thank you so so much i will see you next week i love you guys